Good morning. Glad to, glad to see you. Glad you could make it. <laughs> uh, y'all, I do want to pray um, just the, the number of our regular attenders that are sick, ill, um, just different circumstances going on. We want to want to be faithful to continue as we gather to make prayer as important part of these gatherings as is the word and our teaching. So let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this morning and what it represents, God, as the the church all over the world gathers today because of the resurrection, because Christ is seated at your right hand. And so we rejoice in that uh, hope, God, and we want to bring some of that hope here and now, just as you taught us to pray, God, that your will would be done here and now as it is being done in heaven. God, we have so many among us that are ailing and sick. Um, God, my memory would fail me to try to list them all. But God, we want to specifically lift up Miguel as he is in the hospital this morning. God, and many, many others, God, from cancer diagnoses, diagnoses um, to uh, just family issues and turmoil. God, we know that this world is raging and ravaging. The effects of sin are rampant amongst us, God. So this morning, we want to ask for your favor upon these situations, God, that your word would come alive in the midst of sickness, in the midst of turmoil, God, there would be faith given. God, we pray for a gift of faith for Miguel and Georgina right now, God, that they would believe and trust your word, that, that you are sovereignly in control of all things. God, we do pray for healing. We pray for wisdom for the doctors. God, we pray that your peace would be upon them. God, that joy would abound. God, we ask for so many other situations that the same prayer request. Lord God, we ask that joy would be theirs because of the peace that you have given them by the power of the Holy Spirit. Because they trust you and they have been given eyes to see and ears to hear. Faith would be mixed with your word, God, and, and your promises would be held close to their hearts. So, God, thank you so much. Thank you for our body. Thank you for this local gathering of the church. God, may we love and support one another. God, may we open your word. We may we find wonderful things from it, God. May they be the treasure and delight of our heart, God, that we would meditate upon them, God, and know you more and more. So, God, thank you so much for this morning. Bless your word. Bless our ears hearing. Holy Spirit, would you be magnified, God, in, in bringing forth the power of the word, sharp as a two-edged sword into our hearts, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. If you were here last week, um, then you got the first part of the Psalm 1, more like a, an introduction to the whole Psalms as we kind of bounced a little bit between Psalm 1 and Psalm 2, saw some parallels there. Uh, and so we're not going to pick up on a whole lot of that, even though we got all of a verse and a half uh, done last week, but we're going we're gonna to push through and hopefully we can get the rest of Psalm 1 in this week. So we got a, a picture, I thought that was my Elliot for a second, 
because um, that's what he usually does is run up. And as I, I was looking down, as I looked at it, oh, I go, he's at home. So, um, so we got a, we got a picture of what the man who is blessed is not like in verse one. And we saw the progression of not walking in the counsel of the wicked, not standing in the way of sinners, and not seated in the seat of scoffers. Uh, with that parallel picture in Psalm 2. Um, and so we, we got a definition from our friend David Wells um, about what worldliness is. And it's a quote you have there on your notes of making sin look normal and righteousness seem strange. And it's why I prayed part of my prayer this morning about the, the benefit of this gathering, the benefit of the church gathering week in and week out, because this is our calling. We need to remind one another that righteousness is normal and sin is strange. We need to be communicating our weaknesses with one another in that, that trust that we have built inside of, inside of those that are surrounding us immediately um, and, and communicate those things so that they can share promises so that they can pray with us, so that they can walk with us in the midst of those circumstances. So we want to we be faithful, loving one another. And that's one of the beauties of this class is the interconnectedness between these circular tables that happens on so many occasions, um, in which I have appreciated how much Peter develops that family atmosphere among us. So this week we want to move on from verse 1, jump into verse 2. We hit the first part of verse 2 uh, last week, so we will read it, and then we'll move on from there. So we'll start at, start at verse 1 just so we get the whole picture of it. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. So we talked about last week, delight is living the life that's in the counsel of God's word, that is attracted to the beauty of God's order, and that it provides emotional stability as well as a responsive or expressiveness for us, that it is what comes out of us. When you squeeze us, we're, that's the toothpaste, right? Is It should be the word of God. It should be faith brought forth in the promises of God and his scriptures. So today, I want to look at this second part of, of that verse and says, it says that he meditates on, or on his law, he meditates day and night. If you look at it in, in Hebrew, as you're looking across the lines of poetry, you get this line of that, <clears throat> that his delight is the law of the Lord, and on his law, he meditates day and night. So you have this parallelism that is formed between the two lines. So his delight is on the law of the Lord, and then you immediately get that same picture of law flipped over the, at the beginning of the next part of that verse, and on his law he meditates. So it becomes this, um, you know, Frank says that in Alpha, the more you know him, the more you love him, the more you uh, want to know him, that kind of stuff. So it forms this loop between the two words, is that the more you delight in God's word or his law, his instruction, the more you're going to meditate on it. And the more you meditate on it, the more you're going to delight in it. And it just keeps feeding. And it's that cycle that, that just builds and builds and builds upon itself. And the good thing is, 
that his law is eternal because it's his words, right? And we will get to have that delight and that meditation throughout all eternity. We'll keep seeing, keep enjoying, keep uh, being revealed new facets throughout all of, his, all of eternity. So on his law, he meditates day and night. It's reminding us that uh, over in Psalm 19, 19, 14 says that, let the words of my mouth, right? We've heard this lots of times. The meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So we're already meditating, right? The psalmist is saying, let these things that are already happening be pleasing in your sight. Every one of us meditates. Every one of us has this current that flows underneath the surface, right? You can dig down in, in the soil in New Orleans and you get about 18 inches, 20 inches down. And all of a sudden you're hit water and it, your hole starts filling up and um, you have to have to do something with that water. Well, that's that's the current that's underneath us. That's the, the water that's in this table that we live upon. It's why you're in your house and one of the garbage trucks goes by and it kind of shakes you and you move. You're on a pile supported uh, building there. You're going to move with it because it's all on that that current of water. And that's the meditation aspect of our lives is that undercurrent of our lives. Um, being the flow and we hope that it is being built into the that this is the meditation that god's word has put in us we see it again if we looked over at psalms one and two if you remember these words over there says you know why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain that plotting is their meditation and in verse two the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together They are meditating against the word of God, against his anointed, as they'll see later on in Psalm 2. But here we want to we want to pick up um, this picture of this blessed man's meditation. So it can it can be compared to I've heard heard lots of illustrations, read lots of illustrations, cows chewing cud and and other things. The one I like the most is uh, the picture of. Meditation is like kindling a fire. Okay, you, have, you have this, like, say, you know, we live in the modern age, click, 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 right, and it starts. No, but camping out, out in the woods, um, got to build your own fire. You don't have matches. You got to figure it out, right? So you work really, really hard. You have this small little, little area of, of duff and, and other kind of small sticks that you found called kindling, um, and you work really hard to get that spark, right? To stay. And, and you've worked so hard to get that, you don't want to lose it once that fire is going. But you can't just throw a bunch of a wood on it. You can't just put a bunch of air in there because it needs small amounts. And it needs to grow at its own pace. And then you can feed it. But what happens if you stop feeding it? It, it dies down. And so we see this ebb and flow of our own lives uh, as we kindle the fire of, of God's word in us. As we kindle... The fire of having faith by the Holy Spirit in God's word that it, sometimes it's a blaze. And sometimes the circumstances of life um, force us to uh, to and it tries to to rain on that that fire. But because of the protection of the Holy Spirit, because of the guarding of our minds and our hearts that God does is that there's always that still small voice reminding you about this is the truth of God. This is who he is. And that's why so many of the psalms will start out, especially the psalms of lament. 
um, as we'll see in two weeks, um, so many of them start out, God, where are you? Ask these, these really tough questions. Why have you forgotten us? And, um, you know, but they, they eventually get down to a point of no matter what is going on, no matter what I see, no matter who it is, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to have faith. And, and that's the, the overarching message is when we see our circumstances overwhelming us is what's the character of God like? What has he done for me? Right? Specifically, right? That's, you know, the Israelites set up the Ebenezer stones that they crossed the Jordan to remind themselves so they can take the kids there. Here's, you know, we crossed right here. The water parted. You know, they want to set and remind ourselves of what God has done for us, um, as we'll see in the Psalms of Thanksgiving. So that's, that's an important uh, element that we kindle that fire and keep kindling that fire. So the way that, that we meditate um, and um, I wish I'd have taken all four weeks on just this one psalm, but I didn't. And we're going to move a little bit quickly through this. But the way we're, we're going to identify the meditation here is we're going to learn God's thoughts consistently, regular intake of God's word. I want to be um, faithful in, in having uh, progression through his word. If, if that's a, like you may be taking just the book of Psalms right now and um, reading through it, you know. So many chapters a day for a whole year, or maybe the whole Bible that you have access. But do you have a consistent, regular intake of the Word of God? Is it is that food coming in? Is that that kindling for your fire being supplied? That you have a storehouse to stoke the fires. Uh, number two, applying God's thoughts is not just. Not just reading, right? We can, we can read in such a way that the water of the word is, in our minds, just going more like a, an electrical conduit. And here's this metal conduit. The water flows through it in one, in one ear and out the other, right? But that's not how it's meant to be. It's meant to be, um, I don't know how many of you have gone to the ranch. Uh, any, any arid climate has this element of irrigation canals that they dig in the dirt. And, and some of them have concrete at the bottom, but they don't always concrete it all the way up or they don't always um, make it watertight at the bottom because they want some of that water to soak into the sides as it goes through. So it's passing through soaking through as well, as, as, long, as well as getting to its destination of where it needs to be um, for whatever vegetation it is. So it wants to have this, this element that the whole area is being watered. And, and that's the intent of applying God's word is that we need to be having that water soak as it comes through us. Whether it's a, a sermon on Sunday mornings or teaching at School of the Word. You know, the, the, the sermon comes through, the word goes through your mind, and it attaches to places. It connects to thoughts in your own heart in ways that I could never bring about um, in, just, in just my studies. Because the Holy Spirit is working in you, Right? First John 2, and that anointing that draws it out of us um, and teaches us and that we don't need to, be, need to be taught because we are grown up in him. Number three is dwelling on God's thought, dwelling on his word. is having, um, having specific time to think deeply about the things of God. Not just, not just read, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, or stands in the seat of scoffers, nor sits in this, I'm sorry, stands in the way of sinners, or sits in the seats of scoffers. 
But you read that and say, whoa, God, how's my life been walking in the counsel of the wicked? How have I seen an identification of sin being normal, righteousness being strange in my own thought patterns or in my actions, in the things that I want and desire, right? You start to to break down yourself in light of the word and you start to identify the, the aspects of your own heart in the midst of what you're reading. You dwell on God's word. So, so is, is the word just passing through your mind like a conduit? Or are you a James 1 listener who is slow to speak and quick to hear? Right? And, and it, for, it goes on further, uh, further down, and I think it's verse 21 there, that says that so that it, the word is going to accomplish and nourish I'm sorry, I'm going to misquote it. Sorry, Peter. Um, anyway, James 1. Go read it. It's great. But the word is there for an accomplishment, and, and we're supposed to be hearing it and, and be slow to speak, slow to anger, because we know our anger doesn't accomplish the, uh, the work of God, so that the word can accomplish its effect in us, and so that we can be growing up um, by the power of the Holy Spirit. So we take those thoughts of God that we read from our minds, this is the, the, the mode of meditation here. We take God's thoughts that we have in his word. We take them from our minds and we, we, we put them into our hearts by dwelling, by applying. They become the things that we, we want and we desire, right? And then we, we take all of that as the, the uh, George Mueller article related. We take all of that mind and heart and we go sit before God into the throne room by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we look for his beauty. We look for ways that, that his word affecting our hearts and our minds helps us to see him better, to see Christ better, to know him better. And, and so we find our hearts just opening up. And, and typically, if you will follow that process of meditation, just as, as Mueller says, you're going to start praying and you're going to start remembering, oh God, that would be so good for this situation that I'm facing over here. It's a work situation that I needed. I needed your power to come in and, and I see it. I've been, I've been walking in the way of the wicked at work. I've, I've not been, been focused on your way. I've not been focused on, on the counsel that you have for me at work. And so I want to, I want to bring that to effect. And so you just start praying out of that meditation. You start rejoicing because of the thoughts that God has planted in you, developed into your desires, and then brought back to himself in the form of worship and prayer. Right? And then we get the power of John 15. Right? That whatever we ask, we have it. Why? Because it's his thoughts in his word brought into our hearts, made to be our delight, and then brought back to him in worship and prayer. We're asking his word to be accomplished in our hearts. And God can't help but honor. He has is, he is locked himself in. He's bound to honor his own word. And he'll do it. And so whatever we ask, you'll have. And it blesses the Father to give us that. So I did, did have a little quote from uh, George Mueller here because I wanted to, to highlight that. And uh, I don't think it made your notes. 
that's the problem with having to turn in, and Matthew realized this, turn in the notes on Fridays so that the office can get everything printed up, but then so many of us uh, have to do our studying on Saturdays, and so a lot of this comes and gets added back in. So I'll read it to you. Uh, hopefully y'all read the whole article, and this just connects with you as well. He says, now I saw that the most important thing I had to do was to give myself to the reading of the word of God and to meditation on it, that thus my heart might be comforted, encouraged, warned, reproved, instructed, and on it, my heart might be brought into experimental communion with the Lord. And that's, that's that element of, of that worship and prayer. You're really experiencing communion with God because of his word and the delight that he has. And the, the fourth element of meditation is that same aspect we talked about with delighting is that you'll radiate God's thoughts. It will be projecting out of you that your words, your actions, the things that you think about circumstances and situations will be different and and you'll find that radiating coming out of you so what are the what are the things in your life that get you excited we talked about a little last week what are those things that really get you happy and really get you sad and and in that you're going to find those are your meditation points if, if it's, it's the power of God being displayed throughout the working of the church, really gets you excited, and, and you're going to know what you've, been, what you've been meditating on. If it's the Saints football that gets you really gets you excited or bummed, like we talked about last week, then you're going to know what you've been meditating upon. Um, so use these thoughts um, and see God's word come alive in you. That, that delight and meditation... And God's instructions will just become, uh, just multiply upon itself. And there are results, right? So we find in, in the first part, uh, well, in verse 3, we first get the results for the blessed man. It says, He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither in all that he does. He prospers. So the blessed man is like a tree. We, uh, we have the benefit of even just look out the windows and see many, many great trees around us. Um, they would have not had this benefit. Right? Living in an arid climate, trees a lot more sparse than they are here. And so it meant a lot more for a tree and where it would grow up and the power that it would have to be able to reach a height of, of growth and shade because it, that tree would have to have deep roots. And so four things we want to notice about this tree. The first one is that it's planted. Okay, The tree is planted by streams of water. Don't ever forget that it's the sovereign hand of God that has put you where you are. He opens your heart and your mind to hear the truth of the gospel. He continues to preserve you and continues the work that he began in you day in and day out by the power of the Holy Spirit for the glory of Christ. Often do we get this um, reminder 
and often we need it, that we're planted. And not just planted, but planted by streams of water. So that this tree has stability, right? It's being nourished. This is the food that it needs, along with light, to produce and be fruitful. Number two, it's yielding its fruit in season. In other words, it's productive. And, and typically, when you see a tree, uh, you, may, you may be, a, if you're more a horticulturalist than I am, um, you may be more in tune with those um, aspects of seasons and, and you see the buds and you know, okay, six weeks. Or you know all those aspects. My grandmother was a lot like that. And I, didn't, I unfortunately didn't pick up on a lot of it. But she could tell you. She could tell you that as soon as she sees that first bud on whatever plant it was, um, when it will bloom, when it will fruit. And she knew. And you could, you could I mean, it's like the farmer's almanac. You could write it down. And she would be pretty close, pretty spot on. And, and so this, this element of yielding its fruit in season shows us that, that the life of the godly, we've talked about this many other times, but it's, it's like botanical growth, right? It is, it is like a tree growing. It's hard to watch that tree grow. Other than someone who really, really studies and knows trees, you don't just see a tree growing, Right? Like we've said before, if we stack these chairs into into row or into stacks, um, you'll see the stacks growing because you'll add one on top of the other on top of the other, and that's that's a mechanical growth. That's a, a mathematical growth. One plus one plus one plus one plus one. Whereas opposed to the botanical, the agricultural growth, it spreads out. Sometimes it's it's in the roots. Right during winter, the roots are getting deeper. They're getting more stable. Um, it doesn't seem as if the tree is growing. Spring, it seems a lot more aware. But this tree is, is yielding its fruit in season because it has this distinctive, quiet growth about it that is brought upon by the Holy Spirit. Number three, its leaf does not wither. And, and probably the best two places that we get picked up this element from Psalm 1 is Jeremiah 17 expounds upon this psalm where it says that, that the same element of leaf not withering so that it is prepared whenever the drought comes, right? And then we have the ultimate fulfilling of this in, in Revelation 22, and, and you see the tree of life spanning on both sides of the river uh, that is coming from the throne, and it's constantly producing, constantly putting forth its fruit. There is a, there's an enduring element to the tree that is, is represented here for the man of God, the woman of God that is blessed. And then fourthly, in all he does, he prospers. So, does this mean that the health and wealth gospel is true? All he does, he prospers. I can name that. I can claim that and go with it, right? You heard the phrase that the right thing at the wrong time is the wrong thing. Okay. You have the right thing that all he does, that he, all he does, he prospers. But if you take that to mean monetary and physical blessing only, that's the wrong time for that. Because God has not bound himself on this side of the new heavens and new earth to bless us monetarily 
and with health necessarily. He may. He has done it and often in oh, I mean look at America itself, has done it in a multitude of ways, but he's not bound to it. Where is he bound to that? In the new heavens and the new earth. There we will. We will prosper in, in so many ways that eye has not seen or ear has not heard. Right? So now we must be putting these things into the proper place. So what does it mean that, that everything he, he does, he prospers? Well, it means that, that you'll, be, you'll live a purposeful life. That what you do will not be in vain as you don't walk in the counsel of the wicked, as you don't stand in the way of sinners, and as you don't sit in the seat of scoffers, as you do delight and meditate on the instruction of God. You'll have a purposeful life. It will not be in vain. This is the, the message of the whole chapter of Isaiah 55. Right? But in the one that the, the verse that we pick out so much in, in verse 11, it says, So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I send it. You can, you can see the reverse of the definition of, of prospering here in, in verse 5, where it talks about the wicked, and he says, Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. What does it mean to prosper in all that you do? It means that you're going to stand when the judgment comes. It means that you will be in the congregation of the righteous. You will be in that number, the real number. So those are the results for the wicked. But verse 4 gives us a little more clarity to that. It says, The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. So that the righteous are like a tree, but the wicked are like chaff. And if... If you lived in the Northeast, I could easily illustrate this and say, you know, the leaves that fall down and, and they lay upon the road and the cars drive over them, crush them up and become this fine little dust. The wind comes and blows away. If you lived in West Texas, where, where I originally came from, I could give you a, a beautiful illustration of, of a, what's called a tumbleweed. Right? It's, we have these weeds and they grow huge and they look all green, but they have no root. And they dry up and they just line the fence lines and from August to uh to November until people burn them off. But we live here in southeast Louisiana, and so I was racking my brain. God, we have too much water for chaff that's just not here. And then the Holy Spirit says, wait a minute. Let's say you go to a shrimp boil. You peeled the shrimp. What's left over after you eat the shrimp? The shells. That's what it's like. That's the righteous. They're, they're, they're the shells that are left over. And lots of times the wind comes along, it'll blow them right off. Because there's nothing that they're held to. They're that, they're that chaff. They're the waste of the fruit and the productive, productive life. And so we, we want to see that, that in, in the wicked's life that so many of us get deceived by, oh, no, they're thinking right. They're, their way is right. That sounds right. Got to be loving. Got to uh, love is everything, and, and you don't balance that with the Word of God. You start to to be deceived in this. But God wants to remind us 
that as soon as a wind comes along, it doesn't have to be a hurricane wind. It could just be, a, a, you know, a everyday May wind for us, you know, 20, 30 miles an hour. Um, it's going to get blown away. And they'll be toppled over, as Matthew 7 says. You know, the house that's not built upon a solid foundation, wind and rain hit up against it. You know, because everyone's life is going to have this wind and rain element come into it. And, and the, the stability, if, if there's a root system, if there's this, this production that has come and, and nourished your life, those situations are going to be able to be handled. And you'll end up like the psalmist and say, but yet I, I train my mind, I train my heart, I train my eyes to see, God, who you are and your character um, so that, that will be a recurring theme for us. And these wicked will also not stand in the judgment. You look over in, in chapter 2, and verses 4 through 9, it gives us um, their outcome. It says, He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage, the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. That's their end. They will not stand in the judgment, or they be counted among the righteous because they will be dashed, they will be broken to pieces. And and knowing the end when you begin or or in the midst of the situation, if you could see the end, it it would obviously give you a greater hope. It's one of the reasons we have the Word of God, so that you can know and ultimately know What's going to happen with your life, even in the midst of this storm that's raging? You know, these, these emotions that keep piling up inside of us, and we don't know how to deal with them. Some of us, you know, it's, it's, it's mental things, and, and you know, it's, it's depression or it's anxiety. It just keeps piling up and it's just bombarding against us. But the truths of God, God's word give us... Give us something to go back to. We read a little bit of, of William Cowper's um, God Moves in Mysterious Ways last week. You know, the, the clouds you dread are big, heavy with blessing and pour down upon your head. The man struggled with depression all his life. Over and over and over again. And yet he would come back to the truths of God and he would get little windows of, he would call them a little breaks in the storm of his life. Um, and and he had to had to apply the truth of God to that those situations, and we have some of the sweetest writings we've ever come across because of people like that that have gone into the reality of their their lives and seen the hand of God in the midst of real lives that are that are broken and emotional turmoil, but said I'm going to have faith in the truth of God. More than I have faith in my circumstances, what I can see. And, and it's going to produce a harvest. It's going to produce 
the seasonal fruit in my life because of that faithfulness. So finally, verse 6, we come to the end of Psalm 1, and it says, For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. For the Lord knows your way. Whether it be righteous or wicked, he knows all. He is sovereignly in control and omniscient, all-knowing in his knowledge. There's nothing that escapes him. There's no act that somebody got away with the perfect crime. No. They, too, will have to stand before the living God and give account and it, it, it says, give an account for every word, right, that you've spoken. It could be every, every frivolous word. How much more are you going to have to give an account for your actions than your words? How much more are you going to have to give an account for your habits than your words or actions? And how much more are you going to have to give an account for your belonging, your identity, than you are for your habits, your actions, or your words? It's, it gives us this, this low level of accountability because it's covering everything. And all of us will give an account for that. If our identity is in Christ, then that's our account. Is God, I've trusted your son. I've relied upon his blood to cover my sin because of the Holy Spirit giving me new life. And that's what I plead before you is, is Christ. And he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter your rest. So it's it's overwhelming at times to to present um, you know what a blessed life is because you want to you want to take that and it's all, it's fine and good on Sunday morning but Monday morning when reality comes into play how does that, how does that affect us? So a couple a couple of areas for us to um, two cautions one encouragement for us to carry this blessedness out. Um, over the next few weeks. And so the first one is, be careful of being overstimulated in your senses. Our world is driven by this, this sensationalism. You can't, I mean, look at, you, those of you who are old enough, compare you know, some of the remake movies that have come out recently, and, and everything is, is a computer graphic, and it's got to be this this ultimate uh, fight scene or whatever, whatever the thing is, is coming across. And there's very few of these movies that are, are just get to the heart, get to truths, and get to uh, asking and identifying questions. They just want to show you how good their computer is. And it's, it's really chaff. <laughs> it's just what's going to blow away. And it has no sustenance to it. Um, so number two, be careful living busy lives. And you get too busy to meditate or spend time in the Word of God. Too busy to help your family, immediate family first, to see where they have been going astray and, and thinking that sin is normal and righteousness is, is strange. And then your, your corporate family and small groups, helping them to see, you know, wait a minute. You may have got that backwards there. Now, righteousness is the normal one, and sin is the strange one. We need to apply that. We need to, to have that in 
effect in our lives. And then corporately on Sunday mornings, same thing. Help your family. And that's why we need each other. You feel like that you don't have something to offer Pastor Peter, Pastor Keith. You're wrong. You, you feel like the Holy Spirit lays something on your heart. You go to them. No matter if it's them, if it's elders, me, whoever it is. You bring it. Because we're real people too. We need y'all just as much as you need us. This, this teaching element is a gift from God. Meant, you know, God says, you know, I give you this so that you can bless the people. It's, it's not meant for me. Right? It's meant for us to rejoice in God in greater ways. So you got an encouragement for one of us? Please bring it. Send it. Come. Something I said, something I did. Please come and, and talk to us and, and reach out and be encouraging amongst the, the elders, amongst the leaders that you see. Right? So don't live too busy lives so that you don't have any kind of sustenance in you. And then lastly, is that we want to rejoice in the uniqueness of the ordinary. The Word of God is very ordinary. God made it plain for a reason. He has spoken very plainly for 90% of His Word. There are a few things in there have some some quizzicalness to them. But the majority of it is very straightforward. It's very applicable to our lives. And when we cultivate that, when we we rejoice in that unique ordinariness, we'll find the, the sensationalism, we'll find this busyness that it's getting crowded out of our lives. Because we want to continue in this this ordinary means. Because that ordinary means produces fruit in our lives. It produces steadfastness and stability, endurance in the midst of turmoil and trial. So, for next week, we are going to get into a bigger general overview of the book of Psalms. And then we're going to follow that with a meditation time and... um, I'm leaning right now towards um, the homework for this week being Psalm 116 and 117. It's a psalm, it's a psalm of him and a psalm, psalm of thanksgiving. You'll see why those are important. So let's do that. Let's do, um, and I'll send something out this afternoon or tomorrow about this with the homework. Um, so we're going to have a quiz when we begin the class. Very first part of the class, I'm going to pass the microphone around. And you're going to be able to give an oral quiz. One, one question. So first person gets to, to do it. And we'll see how we do it. So I will, I will send the question out. And you'll have time to prepare for the quiz. So, and then we will spend time delighting and meditating on these two psalms next week. And then in two weeks, we're going to pick a psalm of lament. Um, and we're going we're gonna to just work our way through a psalm of lament. All right. Thank you very much.